Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Well, Watoto Church downtown, I would like all of us in this room to take a moment and welcome our online audience, online and on air. Come on, let's clap for them and welcome them right here. I know you're enjoying the service at home. Maybe you are in transit. Maybe you are outside of this country. We love you and we pray that God reaches out and touches you even as you uh, experience the love of God through this broadcast. Now, this is week number three in a sermon series, Wonder Working God. From this amazing scripture from Job chapter 9 verse 10, and this is what God's Word tells us, that God performs wonders that cannot be fathomed. He performs miracles that cannot be counted. You know what amazes me about this declaration from Job that he says this even when he was going through pain and suffering. Amidst the storm he was facing, he did not lose sight of the greatness of our God. And God does wonders. And we believe that in this season and the rest of your life, you will always experience the wonders of God and the miracles of God in your life. Can I hear a good amen this morning? And so for the last two weeks, we preached about God being a wonder. And then last week, we talked about the wonder of His provision. If you missed any of these messages, you can find them on our Toto Church app. You can find it on the app store of your choice. Now, if you've been in church for a while, you've had this hymn called Amazing Grace. And it goes like this. I won't sing. I'll just say the words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That's a beautiful hymn. I love it. You see, this hymn was written by John Newton. Now, John Newton wrote this as a reflection of his conversion from a wretched man into the man that God made him to be. Now, John Newton was raised as a Christian, but later he abandoned the faith and he instead pursued trading in slaves in Western Africa. But on the 10th of March, 1748, as he was steering that ship, he went through a fierce storm and he was afraid for his life. In that moment, he prayed to God, if you would save me, I'm going to serve you. And then God saved him. And that event marked the beginning of his conversion. And a few years later, John Newton became a clergyman in the Anglican church and he spent the rest of his life fighting against a tread that had made him rich. Friends, that is the wonder of God's love. Because when you experience the love of God, it changes you. You see, like all of us in our human experience, when you do bad, you expect bad to come back to you. But John Newton saw that God loved him so much. He graced him so much. He was so merciful to him in spite of his past. No wonder his life was transformed because the love of God always transforms our lives. And today I want to talk about the wonder of God's love. 
And so we are going to read from the book of 1 John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, you can turn right there. 1 John chapter 4. And John, this was one of the 12 apostles, disciples of Jesus Christ. And before he became a follower of Jesus Christ, before he would write this letter, he was referred to as one of the sons of thunder. Now that means John had some issues with his temper. But when I see his writings, the book of John, the three epistles of John, I see a totally transformed man. In fact, when you read the book of John, he always referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loves. That is total transformation because the love of God will change your life. Now here we go, First John chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God and knows God, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. For our sins. Dear friends, since God has loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. What an amazing portion of scripture that we're going to really glean some ideas about this amazing love of God. And I have four aspects of God's love that I'm going to share with you today. And I believe I want you to be inspired, receive the love of God, but begin to be the vehicle through which God expresses his love to other people. Why is God's love so wonderful? Number one, God's love is a wonder because it is unconditional. God's love is unconditional. It is given to the undeserving. Now the Apostle Paul, a person again who was transformed by the love of God, writes about love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That chapter that we all love and I've had many people read it on their weddings and a few years later, they are turning against the same verses. But here Paul shows us some of the qualities that make God's love unconditional that we all must aspire to express. In verse 4, he says, love is patient. In fact, instead of love, you can say God is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wow, that is amazing love. It's unconditional. It is given to the undeserving. And I know in our human experience, let me tell you, we all love conditionally. If you do this, then I'll do that. If you stay with me until the death does us part, then we'll stay married. You see, human love is conditional, but God's love is unconditional. No wonder it changes people's lives. And every time we express an aspect of a love that is unconditional, it changes us, but also it changes other people who are the objects of our love. A beautiful story that really illustrates this unconditional love is a story that possibly we've had. It's in the New Testament. 
It is a parable of the prodigal son. And here we see a father who had two sons and the little son disrespects him and says, give me my inheritance while you are still alive because an inheritance is supposed to be given upon death. That was disrespect right there. Give him my inheritance and the father graciously gives him his inheritance. He goes away. He squanders this wealth and life becomes so difficult and then he remembers that my father has many servants. I'm going back to my father but I'm going to ask my father, please just give me a job, any job. I'm tired of being where I am. So when this young man goes back home, I believe he was expecting the long finger of judgment from his father. But when the father sees the son from a distance, instead of pointing a long finger of judgment, we see the father stretching out his arms and he embraced his son and he welcomed him back home. He said he was dead, now he is alive. The father in that story is an illustration of our heavenly father. The prodigal son in that story illustrates all of us in this place because we are the sinners who have run away from God. We have tried to live independently. We have sinned. We have committed the sin of treason against our God and we deserve a long finger of judgment. But instead of this long finger, Jesus' arms are stretched on the cross when he died and he said, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And now that you're saved, you are a product of the unconditional love of God. Come on, give him praise if you will in this place. That is the unconditional love of God. That is the wonder of God's love. It is unconditional. Secondly, why is the love of God a wonder? It is a wonder because it's eternal. It has no beginning. It has no end. It is from everlasting to everlasting. It is steadfast. It never runs out. I love that about God's love. And the prophet Jeremiah said these words against God speaking through him, telling the disobedient children of Israel, obstinate, sinful. He tells them this in Jeremiah 31.3, the, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. In other words, I've always loved you consistently, constantly. My love has never wavered. It has never fluctuates. It's always the same. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. You know, friends, you can never outsin the love of God. Let us sink in for a moment. You know, some of us, when we sin, we think, the guy upstairs really is mad at us. And this is what most of us do. When you fall into your sins, the easiest thing for you to do is to run away from church. You know what? I won't go back to church because I don't think God wants to see me anymore. I don't think he has any more love for me. I think I have expired the grace of God. But I'm here to let you know that God's love never fluctuates. It does not depend on your performance. He loves you because He is love. It is steadfast. It's unfailing. He's always pursuing you each and every day. So instead of running away, come back to your God who has loved you like no other. The writer of Hebrews chapter 4 says this, let us then let us then, all God's people, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. 
I love that word with confidence. Because I remember when I was still a young Christian, I'd never understood the love of God, the unfailing love of God. I never understood that it's eternal. It does not end. It does not fluctuate. Every time I came to the throne of grace, I came to church. I used to sit at the back of the church. Just in case God shows up through the man of God, I can run away very quickly as if I can outrun God. He says, let us draw near. Let's come before the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, this confidence is not based on your performance. Come on. This confidence that makes me come before the throne of God is based on the performance of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus did a perfect work. That means I can come before God in the name of Jesus because the work of Jesus was sufficient. He said, it is finished and because it is finished you all of you online you're watching me today you can come before your father because his love for you is an everlasting love it never fluctuates it never ends i think that's the moment you say amen i think that's that is so good so why is this love a wonder? Number three, it is sacrificial. This love is sacrificial. You see, the epitome of any kind of love is seen in its giving away something, especially if it is sacrificial. John 15, 13 says this, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now this is John, the Apostle John, as an old man, he's looking back at the time he walked with Jesus. He's remembering how Jesus died on that cross. He said, there is no greater love that I've ever experienced in my life. This love that lays down its life for its friend, that sacrifices, is the greatest love ever. No wonder. We love this Jesus who laid down his life for us. You see, every re religion, every religion that has ever existed and every religion that is going to come after today can be brought down on this premise. Perform so you can be accepted by whatever God it is. Do well perhaps you will get well, something good from God. That's every religion. Perform. Work. Work. And also there are, there are five steps to get there. But on the first step, when you fail, we'll give you ten more steps to get to the first step so that you can get ten steps ahead. You never get there. That's every religion. Perform to be accepted. It's only Christianity where you get to be accepted without your own performance because our acceptance is based on God's performance through Christ Jesus. Come on. I think that is something great. That is what Christianity is all about. That's what makes Christianity different because we are accepted before we did anything. And I love this verse. In fact, it's my favorite verse in the Bible. I think I said this about many verses, but today this is my favorite verse in the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 8, says, But God demonstrates his love for us in this. 
Ooh, amazing. What's going to happen next? Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And then he goes on to say, in our human experience, he said, perhaps for a good person, somebody may dare to die. Because there's some good people that you see they've done well, you can sacrifice for them. You say, ah, that guy is good. I'll do something to just help him. That guy is good. Let's send him to India to get a heart transplant. He's a good guy. We cannot miss him. But Paul said, for a bad man? Mm -mm. No one wants a bad man to live. All of us want judgment for a bad person. Not Jesus. Jesus died for every wicked and a holy person on this planet earth. Not when we changed, no, before we ever changed. But when we change, everything we do when we have been accepted is an act of worship. Everything we do, your giving, your miracle offering that is coming up a few weeks from now is not about God accepting you. Your serving God is not about God accepting you. You're doing whatever is not because you want God to accept you. It's because you have been accepted. Then you get to do all these good things. That is what Christianity is all about. No wonder we love this God. Man, it changes our lives. And that brings me to my fourth aspect of this love. Why is this love a wonder? It is redemptive. Now that word redemption simply means buying something back and restoring it to its original form. It's about buying something back. You get a voucher and then when you cash it in, you get something worth that voucher. You buy something back. That's what redemption simply means. And when it comes to love, when this love is redemptive through the cross, Jesus was the price. Jesus was the ransom. Jesus was the price that God paid to buy every sinner back from the kingdom of darkness and transfer you into the kingdom of light so that you can be called a child of God the Most High. It was the ransom. It was Jesus who died instead of you. So Jesus, in a way, on the cross, this is what I see. You and I deserve to be on that cross like a prison cell. So Jesus chose us to go into the prison cell and say, you are free to go and live your own life. That is what Jesus did on that cross. He bought us back from captivity and enslavement to the enemy and sin. And when he buys us back, he gives us a new purpose, something bigger for us to live for. And I see this in the life of every person that I know who has truly received the love of God. Because when you are redeemed by God's love, you will never stay the same. You cannot. Something supernatural happens on the inside. God gives you new desires and affections and passion. Yes, you are going to struggle with sin until Jesus comes back. But something happens when God shines his light in your heart. Something happens. That is the power of God's redeeming love. It changes us. Paul the apostle, a murderer. He was on his way to Damascus to imprison and kill more Christians. But on his journey, the love of God smote him or smited him. 
Which English is that? <laughs> Smote him. <laughs> he fell off his horse and his life changed forever to the man who began to preach the message that he once fought. Tell me, that is not juju. That is not witchcraft. That is nothing but the redeeming love of Jesus Christ. Changes you from the inside out and then gives you a new purpose to live for. The Apostle John, whose letter we've just been reading today, he was a son of thunder. These guys were guys with a bad attitude. In fact, one of the days with Jesus, you know, some people refused to listen to the message they were preaching. They were called Samaritans. And they came to Jesus, James and John, sons of thunder, they said, Jesus, I think let's call fire from heaven and just burn these guys. These guys were bad news. But we see a gentle John calling himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's writing to us about love. That is nothing but the redeeming love of God. It changes us forever. What about you? What about me? Don't even get me started. Man, the God who smote me in 1999. I remember in my room in Sibiru on Northcote Hall. I was there in the wee hours of the morning, beaten. And I knew the only way to go was to come to church and make things effectual. From that day, my life has never been the same. The redeeming love of God has power to change me. And every moment, even when I fail, God has redeemed me because that love is always pursuing me. The same way I entered the faith is the same way I keep my faith. That love is always available for us each and every day. So if my friend receive this redeeming love, it is a love that transforms your life. Come on, give an amen to God this morning. Woo! Amazing. You know, I'm reminded of, in the, of a man called Polycarp. He was the bishop of the church at Pergamum. One of the seven churches in the New Testament in the book of Revelations. This guy lived at a time when living for Jesus was a death sentence. And so he is arrested and is going to be taken to the Colosseum to be torched or eaten by beasts. But these people come to arrest him. They knew him. Before he would arrest them, he, they would arrest him. They first took communion together. Say, so please just give me some moment. Let me pray. Let's have communion. They knew him. They said, you know what? We know you, Polycarp. You're a good man. Just deny Jesus. We will just let you go. And then Polycarp said, for over eight years, he has done me nothing bad. How can I deny him? Polycarp will be taken and burnt alive in the Colosseum. Because something happened inside of him that was undeniable. That is the wonder of God's love. It is unconditional. We don't deserve it. It is eternal. It's everlasting. It never fluctuates. It is sacrificial. The innocent for the guilty. It's redemptive. It has brought us back from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. 
and God gives us a new purpose for life. At this moment, I want us to watch Fred, a young man who has been redeemed by the love of Jesus Christ. Let's watch the screen. Manya gang, this is Martin Mafredi. Savira kuwa toto, sovi. Amyaka jange. Amyaka abiri mumu samvu. Namvira kuchalo nachirebe. Mukatawa. Olambo angewe bwali nga sinalokuka. Bwali bubinyo. Fedinga nyo mwenge. Fedinga ndi mwenzi. Fedding as I'll get work over we all knock That's Nevayo Kumurimo, Walka Wongezi, Neva, Nenyendao, Mubala, Nenyo Mwenge, Nevanange, Mukuvayo, Nata Mitte, Atande Kakuruana, Namaro Kuana, Nitana, and two sticked up with her, Nevan Quarter, Nevan Paku Police, Mukomera, and Lamarayemis Mukaga. About total, we want you to try to come here. Hello, Kubo Nalabirao, kumpita mkoti, kutuka mkoti, kugamati, kese kosechi, egowe, egowe dua. Esaa weno, buchanga afuruma. Embera jendi mu, nsinganga o mupa, ea itasibidua nako. Kuwa nsinganaba, ntuwabali batasibidua ako. Isoka, nafuno omulimu, nomulimu nkola, india nywa, Waliwa wataina mulimu, benaleke ebweru nga tebasibidwa. Waliwa basule njala, benaleke ebweru nga tebasibidwa. Naenze nkola, ndia, nebaka. Sisa walachi mba sisinza mkama wato. Wow, an amazing story of God's redeeming love. Now, now that we understand the wind of God's love, unconditional, eternal, sacrificial, redemptive, what should be our response to this love? The Apostle John again gives us a response. Say, if you have been loved by God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he's saying you need to love others 
as you have been loved. In other words, the object of our love is Jesus. We love others as we have been loved. How did Jesus love us? Jesus served us. So he's saying, serve others as Jesus has served you. How did Jesus love us? He leveraged his power for the weak. In other words, we should use every resource, every form of power that God has given to us and use it on behalf of the weak amidst us. And then ultimately, he laid down his life for us. He's saying we need to lay down our lives for others. That is the call upon everybody that has received the love of Jesus. And that is why we as your leaders at Watoda, we are not ashamed to ask you to give generously in my miracle missions offering. It is sacrificial. Yes. You know why? We do that because there's one who sacrificed much more than we can ever give. And this is for the purpose of the lost experiencing the love of Jesus Christ. So give sacrificially. Not just your resources. Let everything you do be about honoring God. Live for God. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives. In other words, I don't call the shots. My God does. He said, the life I live, I live now by trusting in the one who died for me. So let's live for Jesus. But also lastly, it could be in this place, it is receive the love of God. It's available right now. It is still unconditional. We don't deserve it. Maybe you're in this place, you've tried to work so hard for God to accept you. I have bad news and good news. Bad news, you'll never work enough. The good news, God has already worked for you in His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a gift that you receive. None of us deserve it. We don't deserve it. But God gives it to us as a gift because He is love. So quit working. Just receive the wonderful gift of this wonderful love. And He will come, forgive you, make you a new person. Receive God's love. But also you could be in this place, you place your faith in Christ, but you chose to go your way. And maybe in this place you're thinking, does God love me anymore? Maybe I have exhausted God's love. I want to let you know today that actually none of us can exhaust His love because He is love. He doesn't fluctuate. His love has no beginning, has no end. God loves you. The best place to go is in the arms of God's love. So come back to God today. Let's bow our heads across this place and pray. God, I'm, I'm thankful for your unconditional, your everlasting, consistent, steadfast, your redemptive and sacrificial love. Jesus, you died instead of us. We deserve to die on that cross because we deserve death. We are sinners 
at the core. We are sinners. But because of your great love for us, God, Jesus came down and took our place on that cross and he was judged in our place. And we get to experience this amazing gift of love and forgiveness just by trusting you, God. So if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor, today I would like to receive this amazing gift of love. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to trust in God again. I want to pray for you. If that is you, would you lift up your hand wherever you are? I'm going to pray for you. Right here in the auditorium, you are online wherever you are. Just lift up that hand. It is an act of faith of saying today, I choose the one who chose me in the first place. Lift up that hand and I'm going to pray for you shortly. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. In the overflow, God bless you. You are lifting that hand to Jesus, not me. But it's an act of faith in your heart. Receive this love. Now, Father, I thank you so much for every person who has raised their hand in this place or online, wherever they are. You see their desire in their hearts. And when anybody says, I'm coming to you, God, you never push them away. In fact, you embrace them and you make them new. And today, we get to celebrate new life. In Jesus' name I do pray. And everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate our friends who have received the love of God in this place. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the Word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, write to connect at watotochurch.com. Hey!